It's the Doctor Who podcast. I listen to the Doctor Who podcast now. The Doctor Who podcast is cool. Welcome, dear listeners, to the Doctor Who podcast. This is episode 370, when our focus is on you, the listener. Well, mostly. We can't take all the focus off ourselves. But as a part of this episode, in which we will be looking at your feedback on the show, and by the show we mean Doctor Who, new Doctor Who, and also a little bit of the Doctor Who podcast, we have brought in a representative of you, we have a listener who is going to help us with the feedback today, although this is a very particular and very special listener. We have Chris Mead from, among other things, the Oodcast. Welcome, Chris. Hello. Oh, it's so lovely to be here. And when I say we had, that's the royal we. It's, it's just me and Chris in the camper van. So, uh, yes, thank you very much. And listeners, I hope that you are familiar with the Oodcast. Some of you may not be, but it is one of my very favorite Doctor Who podcasts. Tell us a little bit about the Oodcast. Oh, uh, I mean, we started doing it a long time ago. Uh, I think we started just as ten did the three specials. Uh, so we were their writers, Matt Smith, began so we're 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 sort of a, a middle-aged podcast where <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are we all <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh yes so it's kind of evolved as we did it it started off as a pure review show um but a lot of us who were in the in the hosts of it uh we we have other lives as performers and writers um so it, the sketches started kind of creeping in and my wife Laura is a wonderful musician and singer and so then we started doing parody songs as well and so by the end of it it became this huge production where there are sketches about each episode and songs and we've done quiz shows and things so it, yeah so we say we like to um, reflect the creativity of of the show in the way that we review it and and we kind of review it in in a in a very special way, in that we're really only interested in the stuff we loved about it. Um, we we don't say that there isn't things about Doctor Who that are less than perfect, but just in the Oodcast, we're interested in celebrating the great things and letting everyone else pick over the other bits. Um, so yeah, we 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 want to be positive about it, and and so that's sort of what we try and do. <laughs> <laughs> you actually have a mission statement or a theme statement on your website. We aim to express the joy, the chaos, and the glory of our favorite show through laughter, rhyme, and song. And that captures it perfectly. Uh, and I recommend it. Uh, I listened to the Oodcast probably from close to the beginning uh, and uh, enjoyed have enjoyed that and enjoyed the most recent episode, which came out uh, reviewing the first of the three specials that we had for the 60th anniversary. I should also mention just before before we dive into the rest of this, that Chris is also an accomplished improv practitioner. I, how do yeah, you say that? Uh, improviser, yeah. I'm, it's my whole job now. Um, I've recently given up my office job. So my entire job is to perform and teach improv, which is, I don't know, uh, the most amazing thing in the world. I cannot believe my luck 
that I just get to make people laugh and help people make each other laugh as, as a living. Uh, so, yeah, in a really good place with, with my occupation at the moment. <laughs> One of my fond memories of the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who when I came over to England to, to celebrate there um, was, and it was one of the very first nights I was in England, that Ian and I went across town is the way I remember it. I don't seem like we took a long train journey or, or tube journey to watch you and Dan Starkey and some yes. others. There, there was a show that week that you guys did. Doctor Whose Line Is It Anyway, we called it. Thank you. I can't remember the name, but I do remember <laughs> the joy. Yeah, no, that was an amazing evening. Uh, yeah, Dan Starkey, who obviously is Strax, is, is a brilliant improviser and a, a real part of the improv community here in London. So I get to play with him quite a lot. And I have never quite shaken my starstruck nature when I'm around him. I mean, almost now. Now we've been playing together for almost 10 years, but I'm always a bit like, hee hee hee, it's a Sontaran. <laughs> and one of the fun things about Chris, and one of the gracious things about Chris, is that he listens to the Doctor Who podcast, at least on some occasions, <laughs> enough no. to actually send in some feedback once in a while. So uh, what a joy to have you on as we welcome the rest of you listeners into our conversation. Let's start out, actually, we'll do this chronologically going back to the Christmas special. I think we pretty well covered all the anniversary specials, but we had some feedback from the Christmas special that we uh, will we'll, we'll share with you. So this is Gareth James. Uh, he says, having now watched The Church on Ruby Road, I loved the following. That was my, I, I added the following. I shouldn't have really, should I? I'm I'm editorializing. I loved him. colon. <laughs> it's the way. I loved colon. <laughs> so let's find out what uh, Gareth loved. Uh, Shooty and Millie, excited to watch more of them. The newness of it. You can come to it not knowing much about the show at all, and it's a fresh start. The singing, really weird for a Doctor Who episode, but fab. The new season trailer, Roll on May. I'm looking forward to watching a series rather than specials. The intrigue. Who is Mrs. Flood? Who are Ruby's parents? The Timeless Child references? Addressing it front and centre boldly. Good and RTD. Mavity. I hope that this gets resolved in <laughs> Series 1. Glad it's still featuring. But why were the Doctor and Ruby not more concerned about baby Lulu? So much laughing, joking and being amazed with the goblins and very little terror that they were uh, trying to eat a baby. Just felt bizarre and wrong for the Doctor, but even more so for Ruby. Looking forward to listening to the DWP review. Thanks all. So yeah, I was I was interested in that because it is really interesting. It's a Christmas special. It's got to be light and frothy. It's got to move like lightning, right? That's part of what a Christmas Doctor Who special has to be. And then you have a baby being consumed, <laughs> and it is quite hard to make because if you that was real the characters would be almost paralyzed right ruby would be paralyzed with fear she wouldn't be able to be capable of having any fun at all uh so i guess that's sort of a you know you have to just kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit about that <laughs> what did you think chris of the music uh, being someone who incorporates it into your own show I love musicals so much. So I'm I go and see everything I can in the West End musical wise. I'm absolute musical fan. I adore it and therefore I'm a big fan of when TV shows do that. Uh, I think 
obviously the big, the easy reference is Buffy doing Once More with Feeling. Uh, I know when RTD brought back Doctor Who, Buffy was his almost his North Star, right? In the in in terms of the feeling he was going for, the kind of show he wanted it to be at that point he talked about Buffy a lot in in a writer's tale mm-hmm. and so for me it's like him going and now I can do the once more with feeling <laughs> episode. um so yeah I can see it's weird but it's just the kind of weird that I love so I was very very happy <laughs> and I loved I loved it in this context yeah it's just the way their science works you know <laughs> and yeah and there is a point about about the baby and the reactions to the baby and I think I felt a little bit of that but again knowing it's a Christmas episode and and I always give a little more um, leeway for sort of a pantomime feel to yeah, do the Christmas exactly. episodes yeah it was a pantomime the goblins were behind them you know it was it was very much that. <laughs> That kind of vibe. <laughs> they did do what they needed to do and did save the baby. David J. O'Brien said, loved it. It was incredible, had adventure, had heart, and it was brilliant. Everything about it. It has made my Christmas day. I've got that excited anticipation of the show back. This new era is going to prove that it really is the best TV show ever. Just hope they can turn the music down a bit. I feel like <laughs> I need to see it again with subtitles. Yeah, there's something about when you have Mary Gold. I I wonder if he's just got his, like, turn it up a bit. I work really hard on that. So uh, <laughs> let's put me up in the mix a little bit. <laughs> That's my only explanation. Because they know how to make a TV program. They know how to make a good mix. It's so weird that they do that. I didn't struggle that much with it. Um, but I was paying pretty close attention <laughs> as, as it went along. But... Yeah, it seems to be a consistent criticism, but most of that comment was uh, lots of joy, Lot, lots of joy in that yes. comment. So this anticipation of what lies ahead. I just had an idea about this, um, about the music thing. And I, I do wonder that obviously those of us who watch in the UK, we watch on BBC iPlayer and BBC iPlayer is incapable of uh, her transmitting 5.1 sound so it's reduced the stereo so we watch it in stereo even though it's a 5.1 mix hmm. because it has to be right because it is on disney plus it's 5.1 when it comes out on blu-ray it's 5.1 i wonder if it's something to do with mixing down into stereo <laughs> well and i've also read some articles that talk about the tvs many of us watch nowadays being the the flat screen tvs and if you don't have a fancy speaker system attached to it that flat screen tvs are just not Particularly effective yeah, not great when, it, speakers. when it comes comes to sound. So some of it, some of it may be that. I should also throw in here. This is just a one sentence one, so we'll get it in quick. But you know, referring back to the dancing and the song, uh, Suzanne Glass Russo, simple comment. My favorite part was just him being shooty, dancing and enjoying himself. That bit was in- incredible. It was there was. That was such a statement of intent, the way the camera swooped in and he's there dancing. He's spinning, like, yeah. And he's so good. I mean, I know the point isn't that he's so good, but he's just lost in it. Um, yeah, more than a thousand words. That tells us a bit about what the new Doctor is. That's kind of totemic of who he's going to be, I think. Um, yeah, I agree. Just a wonderful bit of TV that moment. Loved it. What else? What else did you see? Um, so Sam Walsh, they said a lot uh, of really great stuff, but there's one paragraph at the end that I thought was particularly brilliant. So I'll read that out. 
I can't help thinking of those old pair of favourite slippers which have been worn to death till they're falling apart. You then receive a brand new pair of the same slippers for Christmas. They're exactly the same as your old pair. They're familiar, but they're also fresh, new and comfortable. And you can't wipe that smile off your face because they feel so good on your feet. For me, this is Doctor Who right now. It's been many years since I looked forward to a new series of it with this much anticipation. How long is it to May now? I love that analogy because uh, it's the same pair, but it's it's new. It, it, and it, it You know, we pick up so much baggage um with a series when we're sort of telling stories and moving on there's so much and just this idea of like it's still the same thing but it's right back to the essence of it it's fresh and new um i just got a new pair of slippers and so that spoke to me it is wonderful to get home and get into a good pair of slippers that you love uh yeah and and it's true doctor who does feel like this i've never i've never gone out of love with doctor who but I adore it every time it becomes something new again. Oh, so exciting. It's both nostalgia in the best way and newness. And it, it, it yeah. all put together, which uh, actually that leads in well to this comment by Steve Matthews. He says, liked this a lot. I have to think about why. Not sure yet, but it was fun. Maybe it's just me, but Millie Gibson seems scarily similar to Jenna Coleman. The face is strikingly mm. familiar. And the way she plays the character reminds me an awful lot of Clara. Watched in a noisy room full after a lovely Christmas lunch, so missed a lot and need to rewatch. But at this point, I can say that I absolutely love it. Felt different, but the same. We just said that. And like all the best Doctor Who, perhaps not the greatest ever plot, but just love Shooty's presence on screen. And Millie, I think they'll be great. Now, this part is, I think, particularly interesting from, from Steve. Watched it with some family who have stuck with Doctor Who, but several who haven't. And all seem to like it. Want to add that this was a great jumping on ep. Very little continuity. Even Mavity was brief and very recent. What I like about that is uh, the idea, especially that, that he was watching with some folks that hadn't been watching Doctor Who for a while or were less familiar. Yes, right. And that they still, they still enjoyed it. They got into it. Um, and so we've always wanted... It gets hard for those of us who follow the show, you know, so carefully and consistently to think about well yeah, what about right. these people who haven't what are they making of it so and that's what russell t davis is always thinking about right he makes no bones about the fact that he wants kids to walk to school talking about doctor who and that's such a quaint notion i'm not sure i mean do kids even walk to school now I, they go on hoverboards or teleport there i mean we're in the future <laughs> now but that that's that statement of intent that he wants Doctor Who to be part of their lives and that for them to be as excited about it as we are. I think, you know, I love some of the other showrunners that came in between. I like some of, as it, well, I like Stephen Moffat so much, but he doesn't think about how can I always make this mainstream popular and RTD always does. And thank God he does because it, it renews the show. So yeah, I agree. That is the most important thing that people who don't watch sort of come in after a Christmas dinner and want to sit down and have a good time. That's the lifeblood of the show. So far, all the comments we've read have come from Facebook, um, where we have both sort of our, our regular Facebook page, but also a group that you can join and get in on the discussions of. And there was extensive conversation. Thank you to all who, who took part in that. We also get comments through X 
Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and and I was I don't what do we call those now? Are they they're not tweets anymore? Are they X's? No, they are. No, we we've all collectively decided as a global community that we're just going to call it Twitter. Okay. Yeah, you know, because it, it's this is just a bump on the road. Twitter <laughs> okay. is not Elon Musk's. It's <laughs> he's gonna at some point sell it on. They will immediately turn it back to Twitter again. Let's just keep calling it Twitter and tweets, if only because it will annoy him. And and I think that's a great thing to do. <laughs> Good. Okay. So, but I found it interesting that while the comments on Facebook were almost entirely positive. Um, oh, yeah. Or or even if they were mixed, they were leaning towards the positive side. The comments that we received on Twitter mostly had a different flavor. <laughs> yes. And it's so funny <laughs> reading down the document that you've created here. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. I agree. I agree. And I didn't because the from X is so small. I just didn't realize and just kept going. And then suddenly it's like. Uh, for instance, George Stevens says, Disappointing. A thin plot spread out over RTD silliness and Maori gold loudness. Hopefully will calm down for full series. Um, so a very different kind of view of it there. I think you're right that you've obviously created this beautiful little community on Facebook of long-time listeners and, and people who feel like family who are part of your podcast. Whereas... You know, I think probably when you go out onto Twitter, you are reaching, you, you know, not as much just your people. We're getting unfiltered responses. So I do understand that. One of the harshest here came from Dario. Uh, I have to accept that after watching for 42 years, this show is no longer made for this old man. Uh, this was comedy soap opera made for 13-year-old girls, which I think is underselling 13-year-old girls, perhaps. That's my comment. Um but yes, there was absolutely. nothing, nothing Doctor Who-y about it. RTD got his wish at annoying this fan. <laughs> <laughs> I just find that so weird. I'm 43 and it's still made for me. Uh, and, you know, as you say, 13-year-old girls, if it can appeal to 13-year-old girls, then that's incredible. That's what we want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although he says he's been watching for 42 years. So, so he's that, probably a bit he, older. He, he may be, maybe. A little bit older. Maybe there's a cutoff in a few years and I'll be like, wow. Oh, I see what he means now. I'm Now I'm 47. I can't possibly watch this anymore. But there was one person who, who wrote in and commented that they are 70 and that they love, loved it. Uh, that might have been on Facebook rather than on, on, yes. on Twitter. Um, Dennis Moore, a good episode. Remember, it's meant for kids, but I enjoyed it, even though in 70s. <laughs> Dennis Moore is also the name of the highwayman in Monty Python. Dennis Moore, Dennis Moore, the, the the highwayman who steals lupins from the rich and gives them to the poor. Oh, oh. He just well, gives them plants and they're like, we can't, we're, all our clothes are made of lupins. We're eating lupins. Stop giving us lupins. That's what Dennis Moore did in Monty Python. What a, <laughs> one of the things I love about this Dennis Moore is that he's proof, <laughs> <laughs> he's proof that, um, yeah, that, that this does appeal, can appeal to, to folks in older generations as well. And it also struck me that I had somehow, I guess, I picture our listeners as being my age or younger. And there's no reason that that should be. So thank you, Dennis, for, for reminding me um, that there's not that many ages older than we are now. We're getting older all the time. But <laughs> I love the thought that uh, there are multiple generations also listening to the Doctor Who podcast. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think both with our podcasts and the show itself, it's not a kid's show, it's a family show. It's made to be watched by everyone, right? That includes kids, but really what it is, is there's very, very little like this that is made for full family viewing. Uh, and that's what I love about it. And I really never get it when people say something like, that it doesn't feel Doctor Who-y to me, because what is Doctor Who? You know, uh, we've gone over this point so many times, but, you know, what what is the connective tissue between uh, Talons of Wing Chang and uh, the Happiness Patrol and Marco Polo? These things are so different. There's, there is, and it's been said so many times, but an eccentric, brilliant traveller in a blue box... That's what connects it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Doctor Who if that happens. And within that is every genre, every type of storytelling, every emotion. There is nothing that you can say uh, over and above that that is Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird thing when you say that just doesn't feel like Doctor Who. Like which Doctor Who are you talking about? Well, on that note, I think it's worth um, moving on to some other uh, feedback. Actually, we'll move on. Instead of looking back, let's look forward at predictions. Um, We recently aired uh, episode 369 of the Doctor Who podcast, where we gave our probably extremely flawed guesses (laughs) as to what will happen over the next year of Doctor Who. And two of our regular hosts were were not on that episode. Uh, But Phil and Drew, strangely enough, did not want to keep quiet about their opinions on (laughs) on what's going to happen in Doctor Who. And so we did make room for them to go ahead and provide us their feedback. And so we'll just take a moment here. Let's, let's, Let's listen to Phil. First, uh, James got to sit down with Phil and find out what Phil thinks is going to happen in the year ahead. So, following on from episode 369, our main predictions episode, Phil, you were notable by your absence, Mm -hmm. and we didn't want you or Drew, for that matter, to feel left out. So, (laughs) let's hear your predictions for 2024. And just a very, very quick reminder one of which will be about the current iteration of the show. The other prediction, there are no limits. You can go anywhere you like within fandom. And of course, of course, we want to know who you think Mrs. Flood is. So let's, without any further ado, go to your first prediction for 2024. Let's go then. So my first prediction is... that the master will be revealed at the end of the next series. Revealed as what? Just revealed. A new actor will be revealed as the master. Oh, a new a actor. A new actor, yes. Right. Yes, a new a new regeneration. Okay, so Sasha Darwin is a past master. Yes, yeah, so, oh, well <laughs> done, like what you. you did there. <laughs> Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, exactly. Now, I think because we had the little tease at the end of the giggle with the tooth being picked up by the... Uh, the red fingernailed hand, yet again. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think RTD will wait. I think it will be revealed at the end of the series and possibly play a part uh, in the Christmas special. Are you taking this from the reference to the Master in the Giggle, or is this something that you'd just quite like to see? No, I'm taking it from the reference. I, th- I think RTD will follow this up, actually. So I, th- I think he'll... he'll, he'll mm. I, I think... 
what you said on the other predictions, I, we don't, I don't think we'll see any sort of old villains or monsters through this series. I think it will be almost like a clean slate. But then I think at the end of the series, leading into the Christmas special, there will be a, a, a reveal of a new actor playing the master. Yeah, yeah. Ian's been going on about having this uh, clean reset, uh, basically a repeat of Chris Chibnall's first season where there were no two-parters, there was no continuity, there was no references to the past, and then everything turned a corner mm-hmm. uh, for the second second season. So yes. I don't know whether or not he will do something as clean-cut as that either, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some returning villain whether or not it's the master or not i don't know i know rtd had real difficulty in characterizing the master when he brought john sim into the role and he's gone on record quite a bit to say well how how should the master be portrayed in you know the current era of the show and he just went for sheer insanity uh, with john sim um and Perhaps it worked, perhaps it didn't. Uh, I'm not too sure. Yeah. But if he still feels the same way about that character, then perhaps he may not go there. You never know. You never know. He may, he may have different ideas on how to do that character now. Um, and I say he, he, he set it up for the Master's Return. So um, whether it will come as quick as the end of the next, of the next series to be revealed, um, who can say? But I, I, that's my prediction anyway. Right, your second prediction then, please. Yes, okay, so my second prediction is... I think during the course of this year, I think it will be announced that they're going to relaunch Torchwood as a spin-off series, but without John Barrowman. Right, okay. Okay. And is, is, is this something you would like to happen, or something that you think will happen? Well... It's, it's more or less something I th- I'd, I'd like to happen, actually, because I always think sort of torture was a bit of a missed opportunity, really. Um, I, I never really got on board with the first two series. I thought that uh, Children of Earth was an absolute masterpiece. I thought it was it, it was fantastic television, or ve- event television, really. Uh, then we had Miracle Day, which undid all the good work that Children of Earth did. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think he, he could like do it again. Actually, I think he could relaunch it, um, and especially now with the whole Disney angle and going globally with it, um, I, I think this it could be a good sort of launching point, and just forget about what went before, and just start with a brand new Torchwood. Actually, um, you, you, I mean, you could. I mean, I'm thinking along the lines of okay, this was set up by uh, sort of Queen Victoria, uh, you know. During sort of was it Tooth and Claw, wasn't it when she sort of announced it uh, back back how many years ago was that now? Crikey, was two thousand six? Mm. Was it? it was. Yeah. Um, so I I think he could bring it bang up to date with um, King Charles the Third relaunching Torchwood. So. Perhaps I I wonder whether that will be seen as going back rather than forwards, and it also depends on whether or not they want to do anything that is even tenuously connected with John Barrowman. RTD has not dodged controversy since he returned, right mm. from recasting Davros or, or repositioning yeah, Davros, yeah. Um, you know, almost in a way that was courting controversy. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, for me, I think he's not yet done with 
the spin-offs. I mean, there still hasn't been a single announcement yet no. about what might might occur. And there have been lots of rumours. I've heard the rumour about Torchwood potentially getting a reboot. But um, I don't know. I, I think he would probably move on to Passages New. But time will tell. I think he could, it could generate some some buzz out there if it wasn't to feature John Barrowman, if it, if it was to come back. Um, and I think it, it would be good for him... For Torchwood, not to have Captain Jack Harkness in there. Um, I think. I mean, it's it's been proven on uh, Big Finish they can do t- uh, Torchwood without Jack Harkness in it. So I think it's uh, it's it could be done on TV as well. Okay, and the very last part of this very brief segment, Phil. Yeah, Mrs. Flood is just a nosy neighbour. There you go. Anita Dobson, you can see, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> Reading the character brief and thinking, oh, yes, I'd like that. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you. We'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. Well, good predictions. Um, I think the Master will be returning. I think very, very assuredly that's going to happen. There's no way you have the Master as a gold tooth and it being picked up again by a woman with red nail varnish. That is, I mean... They're coming back, right? Definitely. I do think there'll be a, a new actor. I, I can't imagine they're going to keep anything over from the last era. It's going to it's gonna be new. <laughs> the Master is one of my favorite characters, um, although I prefer certain performances of the Master to others. Um, and, and the John Sim Master, while he had his moments, was not my favorite representation of the master but yeah i would always welcome the master back um we'll see we'll see uh and then let's see next one torchwood what about torchwood i think there will be a series that fills that torchwood hole as in you know an organization of non-time lords who are dealing with the same things that the doctor deals with i think personally that's going to be a unit series not a torchwood series uh, but i think it's absolutely the same show, right? But just with a slightly mm. different name. Um, so, yes, I think there's definitely going to be Earthlings try to fill the space the Doctor leaves when they're not on the planet. But I don't think it will be Torchwood. I think it will be Unit. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think we'll see Torchwood named as Torchwood unless it's just a throwaway line, not not as an actual yeah. entity. And then, uh, no. what, the final thing about Mrs. Flood? Just a nosy neighbour. <laughs> Okay, it could be. <laughs> yeah, with the ability to break the fourth wall and who knows what a TARDIS is. Um, I, I mean, maybe. I mean, it's not, I'm not, it's not above RTD to just throw that in and then just never refer to it again. I don't know. That's what we thought about Mavity and Mavity, you know, what, what I thought about Mavity and evidently Mavity is a thing. So I don't know. I'm not going to. I think he's very precise about what he does. Uh, RTD and yeah. No, you're right. No, uh, absolutely. <laughs> She's going to be something. You also don't get a uh, actor of that caliber to play the part unless you want it to be something bigger than it is. Well, we did also get a couple of responses to our predictions episode, um, which which I have one from Daniel Davies. This was an actual email. Emails, uh, minority of the way people respond to us nowadays, but it's always a joy to get them. So uh, thank you, Daniel, for taking the time. And Daniel says, hi, thank you for another fantastic predictions episode. I always look forward to them and they never disappoint. <laughs> they just disappoint us. <laughs> we, we, we. <laughs> 
Oh, so my predictions for 2024 are Ruby will be the person under the cloak. The 14th Doctor will return in a unit spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just giving him clicks. So, so do you think it'll happen, Chris, or you just want it to happen? Oh, no, it will happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the 14th Doctor will be in it at some point. He's on Earth. It would be weird if he never came and helped. I don't think we'll see him in 2024. Oh, oh no. I, I think you're right that there could be an appearance somewhere along the way, but I really think that they'll try and allow the 15th Doctor to, to have the spotlight for a while going forward. But anyway, we'll see. And then the bonus prediction Mrs. Flood took the gold tooth at the end of the giggle. That would be weird. How would she get on top of the unit tower? Well, I guess we, we don't, don't know, know what she is, does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I didn't get a good look at her fingernails in that that that, that last episode, the, the Christmas episode. Someone's looked at her fingernails. I'm sure. I, I don't think she has <laughs> bright red ones. Maybe but, you only put them you know, on when you're recovering. Being teeth. evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's a clue. Oh, no. What fingernail polish did you put on this morning? <laughs> It could be. <laughs> Shall I read out what Harold Pena has to say, Pena, about predictions? Yeah. So he says, uh, in terms of who he thinks Mrs. Flood is, he thinks it's Angie Watts who went on the run after Dem faked his death, and this is RTD's attempt to make Dimensions in Time officially canon by linking back to it, which is a deep-cut English soap reference. Yes, and so I'm glad you're here to help explain it. Well, Dimensions in Time was, I think, a Children in Need special, and it was a lot of returning Doctors. I mean, Tom Baker came back for it when he didn't come back for the five Doctors, which I find hilarious. Um, and it was a, it was also in 3D, if I remember rightly. Uh, but it, it crossed over with our most popular BBC soap opera, which is called EastEnders. Uh, so there were characters from the soap at the time also interacting with the Doctor and his companions in multiple forms. Uh, and yeah, there was a very famous storyline in EastEnders where a character called Angie Watts uh, went on the run from a character called Dirty Den, who was a, a bit of a gangster type character uh, who faked his own death. So yeah, he's just making a uh, slightly deep cut UK soap reference. If that turns out to be true, uh, Harold will get bonus points. Uh. <laughs> it would be amazing. So, Chris, I, I did not ask you to do this ahead of time, but but do you have any predictions for this year? They are not obligatory. It's so hard um, because I I do know some stuff mm. <laughs> that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Um, so I can't say because so, so you have all... to make you have to make intentionally wrong predictions <laughs> okay um <laughs> this will not I happen think this will not sean happen. pertwee uh is going to come back uh playing the third doctor uh playing his dad's role i think they're gonna he's getting to the right age now <laughs> yeah i think we're gonna get a actual live action third doctor returns episode and John Pertwee's son's going to play him. <laughs> well done. Well done. And then how about a wildly incorrect Mrs. Flood? <laughs> um, Mrs. Flood is actually a bunch of adipose in a raincoat. They've all piled on top of each other like Looney Tunes cartoon characters. And mm -hmm. she's being mm -hmm. operated by a bunch of adipose. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> 
Likewise, if that turns out to be true, we will give you extra bonus points. <laughs> oh, great. I think I've got a good chance. <laughs> and, and, and actually, speaking of someone with a good chance, probably not, um, we, may as well hear, <laughs> we may as well hear our final co-host uh, provide his predictions. I think Brent stumbled upon Drew somewhere and was able to pin him down on predictions for this next year. Let's, let, let's take a listen. So our prediction episode is now over, but look who I found hanging out, hiding in the back of the camper van. It's Drew. I I predicted you were going to find me. Does that mean I get a point? <laughs> well, it means you get a prediction. Oh, okay. Just one, or do I, or do I get You'll two? You get two. You get two. We'll squeeze you in this year. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. So I... This is kind of sudden. I wasn't really actually expecting anyone to find me. It's just money's been tight, and I've just been kind of sleeping in the back of the camper van. Shh, don't tell anyone. Um, as far as predictions go, I think I've already given away one of them on the last DWP special episode slash Who and Company episode. So I'm going to reiterate my wish for uh, this next season of Doctor Who, and that is... I would like the Raxacoracophalopatorians to return, otherwise known as the Slazine. Um, I think it would be really interesting if they weren't the Slavine, uh, because that's a family name. But since the action figure said Slavine, that's what it's probably going to have to be. So uh, right. that would be my that's my first prediction and wish, because I think that Davies probably realizes that even though, yes, they were used to some extent on the Sarah Jane adventures um their their first outing wasn't great uh and <laughs> boomtown of course being the exception yeah um, i i i have a soft spot for all three of the doctor who slithin episodes um but i may be the only person so i would love to see more if anyone can add some menace to them while keeping the, without radically changing them in a way I think Davies is the person to do it. I, I would love to see it. I also understand fully that it, they probably don't want to go out making more costumes for them, but I love them. Aesthetically, I think they're one of the most interesting creatures that have ever graced our screens on Doctor Who. Dare I ask, what is prediction number two? Well, see, I really only want to kind of put all my money on this Levine one, but um, I'm going to give you one that I don't want to see happen. Uh, but you know, let's let's try and see what happens. Um, so my second prediction uh, is that we don't learn anything about Gallifrey uh, in this season. Now, normally the Doctor will talk about Gallifrey, introducing it to a companion, so I we might get a mention, but we were left with a major cliffhanger, uh, two major cliffhangers. One that after. The heartfelt return of Gallifrey, the Master wiped, and the, I guess, Cyber Lords wiped uh, out all, every person on the planet. Um, and that's rough. But the specials went so far as to say that um, the Toymaker had been rewriting the Doctor's history. So it's possible that that has been rewritten. But it's such a kind of mess right now that I think... Davies is going to do what Davies did in the first kind of revitalization of the show, and that just kind of leave it for a little bit um, and let that dangle. Uh, and, you know, it, it's I think there's going to be a number of mysteries 
that are going to be left kind of unanswered. Uh, and I think Galfrey is going to be one of them. Um, so rather than something we're going to see, something we're not going to see. I think it's time that Galfrey needs a rest for a while. It's too much Galfrey going on the last few years. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of the things that I would love to get integrated. I think it's kind of an interesting concept, especially now with the Timeless Child. I think more Gallifrey is actually something I want to see. I want to see uh, an exploration of those mysteries. But I also know that the show is going in a vastly different direction. And when you have to consider not just the fans who have been there from the beginning, um, but new fans who are coming in via Disney+, Plus, I think that is just too much of a quagmire to sink into. You're right. I I think the whole first season is going to be like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of like what Chibnall tried to do with no returning monsters at all, but right. I would guarantee there's going to be a Dalek that shows up. Everybody knows who the Daleks are. I mean, if we're talking about wish it, like you know, like most fervent wishes, no more Daleks. That would be great. Again, like the my love of the Slovene, my dislike of the Daleks uh, is my own. So, okay, so we got to put the question to you, Mrs. Flood is. Um, well, Mrs. Flood is an uh, original character, not a, someone who is returning. That's, that's what I'm hoping, anyway. All right, well, we'll see how wrong we all are next year. <laughs> <laughs> I predict we get nothing. Well, Drew, I'm going to leave so you can get back to the back of the camper van there, and uh, I'll, I'll lock up on my way out. No, I appreciate it. I, I found some beans. Uh, if, you know, if I can only find a can opener, I think we'll be good. You should leave now before it's too late. (laughs) All right. So I am looking forward to the episode title, Return of the (laughs) Rexacoracophalopatorians. That's what I want to see. Very nicely done. That's why it took me two tries. That's what I want to see on screen. That, that. Never mind the actual critters. I mean, I think he's right that they are ripe for kind of reintroducing and reworking they are really interesting if you if you kind of play down the whole farting aspect and they do have a kind of an interesting look to them as well um i think they wouldn't use the same costumes though i mean they they would must have degraded by this point i mean we're talking 20 20 years right since they made degraded slovenian that sounds horrifying (laughs) Um, so they'd have to completely redo them I think but yeah there is something about that and squeezing into the the tight skin sacks and things it's horrifying and cartoony it's quite quite fun so yeah maybe his second prediction that we don't learn anything about Gallifrey I'm not sure about predictions based on absence Um... (laughs) it's much easier I can make a prediction (laughs) as well about you know they're not going to have an episode where the guest star is the surviving cast of friends and i'll probably <laughs> be correct about that <laughs> i mean there is some interest in into what he says because gallifrey and what went on there was so prominent um in the chris chibnall era and there are some huge cliffhangers i mean it, it's troubling to think i was never happy with the fact that gallifrey was destroyed again it seemed to be i would like to follow up on that storyline at some point it doesn't have to be this year but 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 we'll see. Yeah, we need to know where Gallifrey is. That's important. <laughs> Do you know where your Gallifrey is? <laughs> yeah, I haven't checked lately. <laughs> Have you misplaced Gallifrey again? <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so easy to misplace. You know, it keeps getting moved around. Sometimes it's in a pocket dimension. Sometimes it's moved entirely, yeah, into the vortex. We've all had it happen with our car keys that they've moved entirely into the vortex Mm -hmm. and only exist now on a higher plane. Um, That happens almost daily to me. And oh, let's see. Oh, and then the the he thinks Miss Flood, Mrs. Flood, will be a completely new character. Yes, agree a hundred percent with him. It it's going to be someone that is linked to something, but yeah, it's not just going to be oh, it's the Rani or it's Susan. I don't think, or it's River Song. Um, I I think it's going to be someone new. It makes me think, uh, and this has just occurred to me, but in the uh, Marvel universe, there's a character called Gwenpool, who's a sort of Deadpool-Gwen Stacy hybrid. And she comes from a universe where Marvel are comic books. So she comes from our universe, essentially. Mm -hmm. Then she travels over into the Marvel universe. So I like the idea that Mrs. Flood comes from our universe and that's how she can see through the fourth wall because she knows it's a television program. Floodpool. Yes. Okay. Floodpool, yeah. <laughs> or I guess because it's the pool, it could be, yeah, it could be um, Dead Flood. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we've got it covered here, everybody. You know, if it doesn't happen, one of the ways that we've hypothesized, I don't know what RTD is thinking. Or she's the Rani. I'm just covering everything. (laughs) Okay, hey, one last thing that um, came up within the last couple of weeks now um, are the the reports, not official reports, but the reports of of filming with a new companion. Um, And we had quite a bit of conversation on the, the, the Facebook page about that. And since that seems to be a topic that, that folks have been talking about recently, we thought we'd include some of your comments. Can I just say uh, that I didn't know anything about this? Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, So uh, as part of 2024, I stopped logging on to Facebook, Instagram oh, right. and Twitter. So I, di- I didn't know. I, when I got your document today and read through all this amazing feedback, this was the absolute first time that I'd heard anything about it. So this is all new to me. I have ruined your <laughs> the attempt Not at, at all. keeping yourself <laughs> secure from Facebook. Oh my goodness. All right, well what's your response? Oh well, you don't all you know is as these these comments from from our listeners and our co-hosts. No, I went I I went to research it. Yeah, afterwards. Um I I agree with what Ian says uh principally what Ian says about the fact that it's an it's a normal span for a companion. One season is normal. I don't think Billy Piper or Rose Tyler would have had a second season if the Doctor wasn't changing unexpectedly and he felt like they needed continuity. But then, you know, uh, Martha got one season. Donna got one season to begin with. Um, it, there's so many. Matt Lucas, yeah, John Bishop. They all did. Uh, this is, I'm now quoting Ian, but I think that's so true. And even two, if it turns out to be two, is like a long time for Companion to stay. This is definitely UK tabloids having a slow news day as far as I'm concerned. I'm not saying she isn't leaving, but I don't think she's leaving under a cloud. Yeah, and this is, um, 
Brad Gillespie said, and this kind of sums up, I think, some of the thoughts. Um, one of the articles that I saw said that Millie will have appearances in the second season, but she won't be the companion. Sounds like they'll either be wrapping up her storyline or doing a Martha with her. If you think about it, generally RTD never kept a companion longer than a season before. I think the only reason Piper got two seasons was because we were getting a new doctor instead of a new companion. So I don't un understand why everyone assumes that Millie was sacked. Um, yeah, and the general consensus, it seems to be from our listeners, uh, is that we shouldn't be surprised that a companion change happens. It seemed like they were recording two seasons back to back. Almost back to back, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... They're so much further ahead, so we're going to get these news now. Yeah, I'm actually surprised this is me, Michelle, given that this new companion has been seen on set, as was inevitable that they hadn't done some sort of a, a formal announcement. Um, although maybe being so far ahead, it would be weird to do a formal announcement when Millie is still having her debut. Yeah, absolutely. It's not the time to say it. Uh, even if she was only staying for one and they filmed the entire second season without her, they would announce it one episode from the end of the season just to get everyone tuning in to see why she's departing and stuff. Mm -hmm. they've, got a, they've got a social media calendar and they know when they're this production team, more than any other, absolutely brilliant with choosing their moments to reveal this information. So it's, yeah, I think it's a storm in a teacup. The only person who seems to disagree is uh, your own James. He <laughs> thinks that there is something. Can I read out this little bit from him? Yeah. There does appear to be something to the alleged acrimonious departure. Too many sources citing behavioural issues and a decision to write the character out being made a while ago. Usually I'd assume mad press reporting uh, hyperbole, but this seems to be something else. Doesn't sound as though a new companion was part of the initial plan. So James is putting his flag in the ground. He's like, no, this is this is weird. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not on board with James yet on that unless we unless we hear more about that. Uh, Linda Despont and Linda, forgive me if I've mispronounced one of those names. Uh, in response to what James said about potential acrimonious departure. She says, no. How do you say that when there's about five O's? No. Thank you. <laughs> That's how I did it. <laughs> say it's not so. I can't wait to watch the new season. I love these two. Their chemistry is magic, just like David Tennant and Billy Piper, the best. And Graham Sheridan says that it was reported first in the mirror, which is the most tabloidy of tabloid papers. And he says... I'd take it with a sack of salt, and I agree a thousand percent with him. <laughs> One of the consensus things I see here is that people are really enjoying Shooty and, and, and Millie um, together, and so nobody wants this to, to happen pre prematurely, but I think many of us think it isn't, that this is just... I, I, I just think RTD will be giving us a good storyline, a storyline that makes sense and, and transitions will happen when it makes sense for them in the story to, to happen. I have great faith. Me too. Yeah. And there's a lot of cyclical storytelling here. The ends in the beginning in terms of the baby being put, you know, being mm -hmm. laid out down at the church and we've still got who is the person. And a lot of people think it is Ruby herself that she that she eventually sort of places herself where she needs to be and that's that's going to have to play out in its own time if that's the case or anything like that we'll know if it's suddenly cut short uh you know if she suddenly disappears from the screen but i just don't think that's what's going to happen 
this has been an absolute joy and laughter and what were all those other words in in, in the Oodcast theme to have you here. <laughs> I think I even sang a little bit. So it was joy, oh, joy laughter yeah. and song. <laughs> well, well, I'm not the singer really though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, um, speaking of, as we wrap here, uh, like the Doctor Who podcast, the Oodcast took sort of a, 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 a what do we call it? Sabbatical? A sabbatical. <laughs> You've had some wilderness years like we had and uh, are yes. returning uh, older and wiser and slower. <laughs> and now dog owners. <laughs> oh, and now dog owners, yes, as some of us on the Doctor Who podcast are too. Um, yes, you have Radio, who seems to have joined as a mostly silent cast member of, of the Oodcast, Radio being the dog. Yes, absolutely. There's obviously a very famous dot two podcast called radio free scarrow so we like to think of ourselves unofficially as radio full the Oodcast now well uh listeners there is one episode out already reviewing uh the first of the three anniversary specials more to come as i understand and i encourage you to to take a listen and be uplifted um, by joy and humor and rhyme and song um, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on the show. I really, uh, yeah, can't thank you enough. It's great to be in the camper van. <laughs> and you are most welcome. Hey, listeners, uh, don't stop with the feedback. Keep writing us at feedback at the Doctor Who podcast dot com for email. There's also uh, at the DR Who podcast on Twitter. And there is also the Doctor Who podcast, both the uh, kind of the regular page and the group on Facebook. So hope to see you there. Bye-bye. Cheerio! <laughs> you have been listening to The Doctor Who Podcast with your hosts James, Michelle, Phil, Drew, Brent, and Chris Ood. But not Ian. Except now you are listening to Ian. It's all a bit wibbly-wobbly and timey-wimey. You can find us at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. We can also be found on Twitter or X and Facebook. Thank you for listening and take care. Called? Yeah, me too. Okay. And I suppose it would be remiss of us not to say hello, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. <laughs> it's always fun talking to people through the edit. <laughs> and you, can, you, I can hear Michelle smile, thinking this is interesting, but I'd really rather he just get on with oh, it. I know exactly. Let's not make it too difficult for Michelle. Shall we? <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. Not too difficult. Sorry, Michelle. Not too difficult. <laughs> yeah, we, we were, you're apologising before you've done anything. I know exactly. Wrong. Get it in early. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That's my attitude. To <laughs> Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome, Phil, uh, to. No, I'll say that again. Hello, everybody, and yes, indeed, welcome, Phil, to your very own prediction segment. I know. I know the spotlight's on me at last. (laughs) How about that? Yeah, (laughs) listeners, after our fantastic episode, uh, 369, where Brent, Ian, Michelle, and I spent ages explaining why we were wrong last year why everybody was wrong um, and attempted to come up with some new predictions for 2024 
Um, now, do, you know, do you know I don't like any of this? Sorry, right. I'm, gonna, I'm just waffling. Sorry, Michelle. I've made it hard for you again already, but not on purpose this time. Yeah, yeah. Ian's been going on about having this uh, clean reset. Uh, basically, a repeat of Chip Chris. Basically, a repeat of Chris Chibnall's first episode. Ah, sorry, Michelle. There we go. Lovely. Right, just stopping okay. recording. Oh, we didn't do... Oh, never mind. I was going to do Mrs. Flood. Oh, sorry, no, we haven't... Mrs. Flood. Sorry, forgotten the flood thing. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Sorry, okay, sorry, Michelle. Uh, <laughs> 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 so he feels apologising for me forgetting stuff now. <laughs> um, okay, and the very last part of this very brief segment, Phil. Yeah. Mrs. Flood is... 